so I was driving the other day and uh, there are still human drivers on the road. We'll get to that in a little bit, I think. But one thing that struck me as odd, so I was behind this, um, it was like some like 2009 uh, like Chevy Suburban or some, some type of American-made SUV. And there were some kids watching. Do you remember back in the day when like it was a big thing to buy a car that had a built-in like second row DVD player with a screen that came down from the ceiling of the car? You know, cars still offer that as an option well i mean i'm assuming sans dvd player now but cars still option screens built into seats and stuff and i i'm i'm never really quite sure why why you would want that like why that would be better than just you know that, get, getting an ipad or two and hey hey, hey okay sorry sorry i don't mean to step on your material you're crushing my intro that, okay. that is the point yeah so this always because that was hmm we 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 grew up in southern california and in, in, in a particular place where like there was kind of like that was the thing where somebody you people like having a mid-sized suv and have and having like a stuff like that in a car that was that was kind of like a sign of you made it or something i, th- I think that's very much kind of the the orange county approach and i i just found that one just really funny just like in the car like i'm just like seeing that 15 years later but I guess my question is, so we can talk about that specific feature, but kind of what are other examples of things that seemed like novel or like genuinely useful, like at the time, but aged so poorly or kind of didn't, because I'm not sure it's really the job of car manufacturers to have seen like the forest through the trees on that type of thing. But like, because your your point is absolutely right, which is that. Like it's comical today, just because like our kids. One, if you have one or more, if you have two children, are they going to agree on the type of content that they want to see? God no. Also, are you going to ha- like kids are so accustomed to having limitless options of things to watch at any one time? It's kind of like the idea of like CD changers in cars. Like you, you go from having ten to twenty million songs at your disposal using Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. And back in the day, you think about the mid nineties. People would have to if if you were lucky and had like a six like a six disc CD changer, you had to choose the albums you really really wanted, or you had that thing. Remember the where you had like it was like a, a baseball card binder, but it was just full of CDs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess like so we talk about the 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 in car DVD player or like in uh, like rear infotainment thing, or just like what is stuff that seemed cool or useful at the time but got obviated so 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 quickly i forget what prompted me to bring this up the other day but i was actually mentioning this to the the lady friend so we bought a new couch when i was a kid and it was like the the first like new couch i can remember us buying as a family and my my sister and i were we were not invited to this um, shopping trip so that like what what was I'll never really know exactly what led my parents to buying this particular couch, but it had a built-in phone. So you you, <laughs> no, it you didn't you, it did so you 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 literally well, you know you you plugged in a landline to the back of it. Well, that's, then, yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. Like it literally had an RJ11 jack li- on the back li- of the couch. Li- literally, yeah. And so I I remember. 
like the placement of the couch was not super conveniently located near a phone jack. So we had to kind of figure that out, which, which I guess we did. And then, yeah, the way it worked was you would, you know, fold down one of the, you know, kind of back sections of the couch where you'd expect like, oh, there's going to be, you know, a couple of cup holders here or something. And actually, you know, maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. there were, I I, I don't remember if there were cup holders or not, but you would normally expect it to be just like a full armrest and, you know, maybe some cup holders, but no, you'd fold this thing down and it was a uh, speaker phone. So it had, you know, the dial pad and then a little speaker. Well, hold on. Clarification. Are you talking about a couch or like a recliner, like a lazy boy? Well, so this was this was a very full featured couch. So it, it's like a full full size couch that you know four, five, six people could sit on. But it did have sections of it that reclined, sort of like a lazy boy. And then it also had a built in phone. And you know, to, to your original question here, I think we probably used that phone maybe twice, and that was it. Wow, um, yeah. mm-hmm. a lot, a, a lot of questions and and kind yeah. of side side stories related to that. that. That's what year was this? Maybe. So I I'm guessing. Uh, well, she hold on. We Sorry, were so, in uh, like I need I need some, to, okay. I need I need to interrupt my interruption. Okay, I'm sorry. So <laughs> you said speakerphone. Mm-hmm. So there yeah, was no so did, handset. No, no handset. No, it was just a, just a speakerphone. What even is that? Wait, I don't. Even, that doesn't even make any. That's a terrible feature. Even if you were bought into that idea, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would. I. I. It's like so. You're, so you're on the couch. I'd have you to go have back through. No the... idea who's calling, and you just press. It just has like answer and end, and it just. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Hold on. Yeah. No. Don't. Don't. Don't overthink it. Um... Hold on. 1990s couch phone. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it was like a thing. I'm sure that our couch wasn't like the only one that came up with this. Yeah, this must have been. I'm guessing, like ninety seven, ninety eight, thereabouts. Oh, but those are pretty modern times. I mean, I, I yeah, I, like because well, because yeah. this, this, again, going back to like uh, to weird stuff like this. Like I remember, like this was like hot shit in the neighborhood. Like my my dad had uh, a work truck. That had like in like nineteen ninety five had a built in cell phone oh, that took yeah. up like half the like and that would that was so basically that was the, the, the that was a couch on wheels I guess yeah I think in this example I think my dad had because he he was he was in sales and so he'd be you know, taking you a, taking taking a bunch of calls maybe that was why one of those maybe that's why one he of those, wanted a couch phone did you have one of those uh, with the Save by the Bell phones. I, I don't uh, reference acknowledged, but not understood. It was uh, the one that it wasn't the like the flip. It's it's the one that looked like literally a br- it looked like a a really like a briefcase boxy. Thing, right? I no, think... no, it was like it it was like a just Google say by the bell phone. It was the thing where it wasn't like the folding star tack that everybody had, and it wasn't the, like the bag phone. It was the thing that it's like the Gordon Gecko phone. Oh, maybe I I I thought what he had was more of like a briefcasey kind of thing, but. Wow, um, I don't remember that as vividly as the um, the couch phone. Mm-hmm. That I remember. It was a green a green couch, <laughs> I, I, either leather or leather like material. Um, so, do you think that was like a foundational memory for you? Like that's why you're so attracted to green cars and green electronics? 
you know, I've honestly never, never thought about that, but I just you know. saved you a decade of therapy. Thank oh, you. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're here to help people. We've been saying that for, for years. I love it. Was this, huh? The fact that it was, it was like, uh, what's the company that advertises on podcasts all the time for, for couches or for furniture? Oh, well, yeah, I, this was my, like my the podcasts 1990s. don't really have any ads on them anymore, but, um, I, there was a there's it's called burrow yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. Th- that this was the 1990s burrow and apparently built-in usb ports were the over the phone of the 90s that's interesting huh and the other part about this is that, that that jogged immediately did you guys ever have um like uh one of the og tivos no, uh-uh. I was pretty late to the TiVo game. So the original TiVo was a game-changing product, but because the internet wasn't really, or like the internet was kind of a thing, but it wasn't very mature, original TiVos, the way that they got their guide data was by placing a, a phone call every night <laughs> at 3 a.m. Nice. So the, the thing that, that brought this up is that I remember when I, like, went on like a four month lobbying spree to get my parents to allow me to buy a TiVo. It, the, once we actually got it, one, it required getting the cable company to come out. And because there was no phone jack in the room that the TiVo was going to go in. Mm. So it was, it was, it was much more of an ordeal than otherwise would have for a thing that only stored like 15 hours of live TV. But it was, uh, it was 1999 or whatever. And it was, it was a, it was a big fucking deal. I feel like, we could do a whole show on what that lobbying campaign looked like. I can just well, picture did... <laughs> young Carlos with his, you know, three ring binder business proposal. No, no. Well, th- that we, we had probably we a lot of like, like, Windows like grid, grid paper involved. I'm guessing. No, no, this was digital. This, we, we had a computer <laughs> with windows 98 and office 97 on it. And there was, you damn right. There was a PowerPoint. <laughs> The key was you, you never put too much on a slide, otherwise people aren't paying attention. Correct. I learned that at a very and young age. Never, never read the slide. Slides there exactly. just for, for the highlights, but then you, you, give, you give context verbally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly right. Um, yeah. Was there ever something, anything that you really, 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 really wanted as a kid and had to fight and, and were probably told no for good reason or that you either unsuccessfully or successfully lobbied for? Uh. Well, a, a dog. Well, no, we we eventually we eventually got one. Yeah, no, it was a happy story. Wait, when we had a we had a your childhood dog. Were they we, one of the we, super we, smart dogs? We weren't. Yeah, we we weren't really friends around that time. But yeah, Cheyenne uh, was our was our, was our collie. That's a yeah, good dog. Yeah, no, she she was she was great. Um, mm. technology wise, what did I what did I really lobby for? Because um, I, th- I think for you, you, you had it easier because your dad was kind of yeah, yeah, he he got it. So yeah, you no, we, you didn't you didn't have to push for getting the internet or getting a computer. Oh, I mean, hundred percent. Like, I mean, the the reason the reason my first job was at Best Buy was because like my dad and I would go. Um, it felt like every weekend we would just go and like just browse around like there and well back in the day, you know, like CompUSA, Circuit City, like all all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of just our thing. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know if how much lobbying was really involved, but I, you know, I, I did ask for a lot of, um, like flight simulator related stuff when I was a kid. 
like mm-hmm. peripherals and um you know software add-ons for the simulator that kind of thing um we i i mean in i was always like asking for like a lot of like internet related stuff like i'm sure i've told the story of the like the first wi-fi setup that we had that was that weird like intel thing where you actually had to have like one of your computers like function as like the router basically and like that thing was like a hot mess um and then you know like dsl and cable like i was always looking for like faster internet connections that didn't involve blocking our phone line i guess maybe one thing i did lobby for that that we never did get was during the time where we had dial up i lobbied to get a second phone line so that we didn't have to worry about tying up the main phone line. That was a big, big point of tension in our household. Mm-hmm. And we never, never did that. Don't really know why. Doesn't seem like it would have been that large of an expense, but easy for me to say, I guess, because I wouldn't it's, have been it's, paying the bill. It's the principle of the matter. I think, I think honestly, um, it might have been like, I think having some guardrails against how long my sister and I could be on the internet was, was probably mm-hmm. the real intent of not getting that second phone line, which in retrospect, I respect. Yeah. I, yeah. I cannot imagine what kids were doing. Well, I, I know what I, never mind. Um, okay. Interesting. So I guess my, so then what other tech stuff aged that poorly? I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to top the couch phone. No, no, I mean, well, that, because that, well, that's kind of, that was kind of ridiculous. I mean, or like that's, but like in-car DVD players like that, people thought that was a really great idea. I, I don't know if this is super, I don't know if this is super fair, but I, another one I would probably throw in there would be like early HD TVs. I'm talking like, you know, those DLP, like rear projection, like big ass TVs. Like those were, you know, those were super cool there you know in the early days like 480p 720p like that was pretty neat to see but pretty rapidly tvs i mean well both you know dramatically reduced in price and also became way way thinner yeah that's fair um I, the only other thing that i think of is um kind of and that's a, it's another car thing like in in car static like um navigation systems and those because these all became immediate e-waste but like the garmin the standalone navigation yeah like because yeah, yeah. everybody bought i, I had one of those, those. Yeah. yeah and and they were fine but because of like garmin's or garmin and tom tom and everybody else who made them like their business interests like one but they were never going to connect to the internet you had to pay like they had the, this Everybody has like their own moats to try to protect their subscription business models because hashtag it's always it, well it's always about recurring revenue. But they they charged you, you so you bought the crappy thing that came in that clamshell package that was impossible to open at at the Costco or Best Buy, and you had to pay like eighty dollars a year to get the maps updated. Let alone like live traffic or anything like that. It's the fact that like if anything changed, your maps would be immediately out of date, and that's a thing that just nobody with a modern smartphone would ever think is acceptable but that's mm, kind of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i remember yeah, there, things... there, there were fancy garments i thought that did have things like live traffic and stuff but i i don't really know i don't really know how those would have worked i mean they must have had some well, kind of no, basic cellular connection or something right no they like as even i remember like uh i think like a car i had in like 2000 
12 maybe had it it has a thing where unused parts of the fm radio spectrum oh, are just geez. always broadcast it's so low tech like oh, it, it was not even because i do know that motorola because i had this one it was called the moto nav it did have some like super janky way where it could try to do like a bluetooth tether to your phone and it wouldn't work 82 <laughs> percent of the time and it would it would try to do that to get tr- it it was it was bad. Oh, kind of like how the 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 Sony cameras, all all the fancy cameras, try to do like the Bluetooth or Wi-Fi thing, where oh. you can like instantly transfer your photos, and that just doesn't work. I I have so given up on that because yeah. one with Sony cameras, you're allegedly supposed to be able to use to use the. It used to be called Sony Play Memories, and then it was called Imaging Edge. And now it's called something fucking something else. Oh, did it and change it, again? They they redid it for a third time. Oh. Still sucks. Um, <laughs> like. I'm I'm a big Sony camera proponent, but their software fucking sucks. Um, uh, but it, to auto uh, uh, geotag your photos, oh yeah, that, that, works, that doesn't work. That no. works again similarly twelve percent of the time, yep. and then it just strains the battery on your phone. So I've given up on that. Yeah, I remember. Uh, previous... I, remember I remember I got excited um, when you when I learned about that feature. But you're totally right; it doesn't work. No, and it I, doesn't I, think, work. I think you're about to tell the the pretty good workaround to that. Oh no! It's just I, I think this has been a previous Chef special, uh, which is there's an app called GeoTag. Any or what's it called? GeoTag Photos I think, Pro. I think it's GeoTag Photos. I think Geo GeoTag Photos Two. I think is the is the most recent version. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's great. Basically, yeah. it, it just uses your 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 iPhone's already knows where you are all the time, and basically it'll just log at any given interval. I tell it to log it every minute, um, and then it'll spit out a like a GPX file. Which uh, the nice thing is you can have auto sync to iCloud. So that way, when I get to my computer, I just go to Lightroom. The file's already on my computer. You just go to the Maps tab, and it will just automatically tag all your photos. It's it's yep. it's as good as it can be. Like it is. If the phone, if the camera itself had built-in GPS, which I understand why it doesn't. Anyway. Yep. But I think all of the, I don't have any more examples for this hypothetical question, but I do think pretty much, like yeah, the smartphone kind of it obviated six thousand different things. They used to be entire businesses. Well, I mean, yeah, that 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 too, right? Although I feel like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of the things that the smartphone obviated, like things like a you know, standalone point-and-shoot camera and like little Palm Pilot-y things and that sort of thing, like those things lasted long enough where they didn't feel like they were just like, I don't know, momentary, you know, things that were really just like a quick stepping stone to the next thing. I feel like yeah, you know, that there was there was like a like, there was like an era of like Palm Pilots and you know Canon point and shoot cameras like those were those were things for quite a while. Oh, totally. Yeah. All right, uh, let's blaze through some follow up. This is going to be a pretty light show, probably. Um, there was so there's a this was a previous show special maybe. Uh, there's a a YouTube channel that's very pedantic, but I but I enjoy, I enjoy it. It's called uh, Technology Connections. And uh, the guy on here, it's, and he usually picks a part or, or picks a like kind of a, a either like usually like a historical technology topic of some sort. Uh, and it, 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 he does a deep dive on it. It's, and it's usually very fun. Um, but he's also a early EV proponent. And he has very much been a, a not Tesla person. But he did a 45 minute video talking about the ins and outs of the, uh, the NACs, the North America charging standard does, connector does, any, does anybody pronounce it that way is that a thing no uh, that's how he pronounced that's how he pronounces it but I, I mean it's only existed for two months so i'm not really sure we have a situation where people have de- 
Like I'm Max. I, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Okay. It's better than I'm like I don't know because I hate because I what what's what's the one that I refuse to yeah uh, there's a, there's another one where I refuse to oh yeah um I don't I hate saying OLED I I always do OLED but everybody says OLED so anyway but yeah no he he did a really good deep dive on this and explained all the ins and outs of why how it is technically better how it's practically better and just kind of all the stuff from somebody who is not a Tesla fan he currently drives I think he used to have a uh bolt and now he has what, what's the is it the ionic the 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 hyundai suv the ionic 5 maybe uh yeah. that sounds right yeah yeah anyway it, it's it's fun it is not something that's like visual where like if if there's a lot of useful info in here so if somebody is interested in that you can just the imagery is not important just treat it like it's a podcast it's it but it there's a whole lot of interesting discussion in here there will be a um, link in the notes yeah and then you had a link in here and this i think this is more of a jumping off point to a couple of questions or ideas that i had about this but you had a picture is this electric um oh yeah about the supercharger v4 um sure yeah there there's so there there's a couple of interesting things happening here so i guess like the context of this right is is mm, the supercharger becoming more accessible to non-Tesla vehicles, you know, first with this magic dock thing, which is converting some existing station uh, stations from the NACS or NACS, as you would say, standard to whatever the other one is, uh, CC something. CCS. Um, CCS. There we go. Um, but you know there there's immediately been some some limitations of that of that one being like the the cable is is you know very specifically designed for tesla vehicles where the charging point charging port rather is always in the driver side rear part of the car and you know that's that's not the case with every other ev so a lot of drivers will pull up to a supercharger and like the cable is basically too short unless they, you know, park in like the stall next to the supercharger and kind of run the cable that way. Or it's, it's, it's kind of a mess. And then also, you know, paying is also a little wonky where even as a non-Tesla owner, you've got to download the Tesla app. And then there's like this thing where you can pay for supercharger access as like a non-Tesla owner. <laughs> Well, I, I found I found it funny that you you phrase it that way because I remember when we first saw that it the, the Tesla app has it it like the the copy on it is so obnoxious it says like yeah. charge my my non Tesla car or something it's, 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 it's yeah. yeah something like that so anyway like part part of what this supercharger V four thing is about is is solving for some of those limitations um, which again are going to become particularly relevant when more non Tesla vehicles adapt the or adopt the NACS standard because then presumably you know they're going to be using superchargers quite a bit more and you know the two main things that this thing does is number 1 include a much much longer cable which hopefully will solve for being able to reach a charge port, you know, no, basically no matter where it is on the vehicle. Because that is one thing I'm <clears throat> interested to see. Like, I don't think we've really gotten this level of detail yet, but like Ford, GM, all these other manufacturers who have agreed to to adapt the, um, or God, I keep saying that, adopt the NACS standard, if if they're all also going to, you know, all put the, the charging point 
charging port in the same location of the car that Tesla does to make using something like the supercharger easier. I think that's all I mean, a little I, TBD. I, I um, doubt it only because this only applies in North America. They're still going to be using CCS uh, for a number of reasons I, that are covered, uh, covered in that video uh, outside of North America. I but see. I I tend to think that they probably will because they all of these car manufacturers have when they've announced that they're adopting NACS. They've also made it this huge point to emphasize that supercharger access is a is going to be a big part of of the selling point here and is a big part of why they're doing this. So it's going to be weird when the time comes and you know, 95% of, of supercharger stalls are still V3 or earlier with a shorter cable and are going to lead to like a really crappy experience, not just for the non-Tesla drivers, but for Tesla drivers as well. Because again, you've got these non-Tesla cars that are having to do things like park in the wrong stall in order to be able to have the cable reach. I just think that's going to end up being an issue that I that I feel like could be somewhat easily avoided. Well, Tesla owners are already going to be... I, I cannot wait to see how it plays out when uh, superchargers are open, are, are like in, in are broadly open to non-Tesla drivers. Yeah, that's... It, it, it'll be interesting because especially here in California during busier drive times, superchargers are already stretched pretty thin. Like you, you can end up having to wait a fair bit of time to charge. And so, yeah, you're right. Like that's that's not really going to get any better when you've got a bunch of fords and gms and stuff waiting in line as well uh, but but anyway so the longer cable is one feature of this new version of the supercharger and then the other thing is a tap to uh, tap to pay little payment terminal um which you know is also a way better experience than having to download the tesla app go through the like the passive aggressive um menus to get to the non-tesla charging payment page like just being able to you know tap a credit card and then plug in your car is you know pretty pretty neat yeah so so, so my my questions here though are this so the key advantage of the of buying a tesla has been the supercharger network and the fact that it's dead simple to charge and that the the, the build out has been so successful and is makes range anxiety Mostly not a thing. Agreed? Agreed. Okay. So I guess all this, like, so the V4 stuff and the the little, what what's the name of the, the adapter dealy? Uh, Nax? Is that what you're asking about? No, no, the little, the, the, the retrofit thing that they had to allow, like, with those oh, weird the, stations. Um, the magic dock. Yeah. Like, so it's, I guess my question is, Tesla doesn't, like what incentive? So one, how how expensive or how substantial is the effort going to be to retrofit or replace? Because there's there's what like thirty or forty thousand uh, like charging stalls in North America yeah. on the supercharger network. Like how much of an endeavor is it going to be to retrofit those with the longer cable, the tapped pay, or any of that kind of stuff? And like even though I, I I dislike Tesla and want to assign malice, but like how like what what's in it for them to really go out of their way to take on that like expen that that capital expenditure to make it easier for people who don't buy Teslas to use 
their charging stations. I mean, like, sure, it avoids kind of like the etiquette and like functional problems of maybe making that part easier. But like, if it's not like a simple cable, like, I, I don't know if supercharging stalls were designed in a way that makes it super simple to change it to a cable that's twice as long or how easy is it to adapt um some type of cellular enabled charging like payment terminal and just like like how how much of an uh, how much of an effort is that and does tesla actually care or do they need to so that's that's the big unanswered question for me and and just selfishly like yeah well why 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 is it their problem like they're already kind of doing enough with making a network that is a million times better than electrify america and if we pretend that all the electrify america stations actually worked which they don't like it uh, in uh, overnight turning on like it expanding ev charging station access to non-tesla owners by like 20x overnight so well so i guess to kind of break down your questions there like in terms of kind of how big of an effort is this and like how quickly would would tesla go about updating their stations to this version 4 charger i'm assuming it's it's a pretty big lift like i think it's literally changing the actual like i mean you you know what a supercharger looks like the little stall things that stick out of the ground like it's it's literally replacing that entire unit and so i guess like the level of effort there comes down to uh, in large part like can the can this new stall just hook up to the existing infrastructure there or is there actual like infrastructure work that needs to happen as well and i mean i i'm not somebody who uses superchargers a ton so this is not something i keep super close track of but i guess just sort of anecdotally when i have used superchargers over the last couple of years you know one thing that they did do was um I, th- I guess this was part of the version two to version three change where they started offering um, faster charge speeds um, for certain cars, in- including mine. And those stations have, they've definitely become more common, but you know, you still have to kind of seek them out. Like there's still a lot of the older, not as fast chargers out there. So like that, that switch over to the, I think it's, yeah, I think it's the version three charger, like, you know, it's still ongoing and that's, that's been the case for like years. So I assume it's a pretty big transition. Like in terms of what's in it for Tesla, I mean, I think there's a couple of things like one, which we've already talked about, which is it it does, it does feel like it's going to be an unforced error on Tesla's part and on these other car manufacturers part where if they're switching to the NACS charging standard and they're touting supercharger access, if they all end up designing cars that end up basically not really functionally working with supercharger V3 stalls and earlier, it's that's going to be a huge mess. And so that that's why I think like that the way to easily avoid that is just by putting the charging port in the exact location that Tesla does. And then you could, you could avoid basically all of this. The only other piece of it's the payment part. And I, I think Ford and others will figure that out in their apps and stuff. Um, but then I guess the other piece of it is, and I, 
I did kind of mean to like poke around in t- Tesla's financials to see if they break out like supercharger revenue and margin. But I mean, the other piece to this would be, you know, if, if Tesla actually sees the supercharger network as being a big profit center for them and if they can, you know, see opening up superchargers to non-Tesla vehicles as being something that could be a, you know, a big revenue driver for them and maybe they charge, you know, more for non-Tesla vehicles to 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 charge there, which I kind of presume they do you, will. Do you? I I, I, I like would that, I would assume so. Yeah. I I feel like that that would be inviting like some type of antitrust or, or regulatory action. Because like functionally there's not any extra work that they're doing. So that type of blind or, or not blind, but like just so public price discrimination. Well, I mean, does you, you seem, might, I, I feel like that would go over like a lead balloon. You might be right because there's also some like public funds that are going into this, and there might be some rules around. Yeah, you know, you, you might be right. Um, but it's okay. So even if there aren't higher prices charged, you know, even if there's significant increased revenue, and I guess also assuming that supercharging is still a you know a pretty profitable thing for Tesla, then you know that's. But my pushback would be in this uh, interest rate environment. Like it, it's the cost of money now and the initial expenditures required to think of, oh, well, we're going to make money over the next five or 10 years by doing this. That also feels fraught to me. Yeah, I don't know, like, because that does make sense because, like, because Tesla, and that's the whole complaint. And, and actually, this is one of the things that's, that was brought up in that video is, like decoupling who's who's selling you the fuel to your car and who makes the car is something that is to a degree kind of problematic and if the now even if you chose to buy a different car brand that fuel source or arbiter of price is now just one guy or one company that's tricky so that's where that's where i am nervous about the consolidation and lack of competition in that space because what, what what does happen if every car uses that charging standard and the vast 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 inventory or, or availability of public charging stations is controlled by one company and ev in not that it's i was gonna say electrifies america is a poor reputation for reliability i mean initially yes that is their problem but for the consumer it becomes their problem that there's not a uh, robust competition in that space yeah and i think <clears throat> this story kind of keyed off the exact right conversation, which is the, this this particular version of the supercharger is not really what's important here. It, it's it, it's it's this transition to everybody using the NACS standard and you know getting access to supercharger networks. That's going to just be super super interesting over the next well you know five to seven years because I think the first. First non-Tesla NACS cars are supposed to come out like in 2025, which probably means like 2026, 2027 in EV speak, and then, you know, ramp up from a, you know, for a few years from there. So will be interesting to see. Hmm. I'm acknowledging the fact that you still refuse to say next, but that's okay. Yeah, I, don't, uh, so- I don't think, I don't think I like that. I need, I, I need to think about that some more. Next. Um I don't know. Uh so I have this so another electric article. This is this was some late breaking news. Um actually, I haven't read all the way through. I'm just I'm what is this baby blue car? That's the um 
um, Explorer EV that they're only releasing in uh, Europe. But, and I actually think I may have brought this up a couple of weeks ago, talking about the Civic versus the Accord. This this looks much, the American uh, Explorer is a gigantic car now. It's it's just it's gotten so bloated and, and huge over the past decade. This looks small. Like this it's, looks like a much, Volvo CX40. It's it's much much smaller than the Explorer here in the U.S. And that's like that's the general so the, rule of thumb in Europe is is car well, the, models are are generally quite a bit smaller than here in the U.S. But then why not just say it's an electric Ford Escape? Well, because that's what it is. I'll, I'll, well, I'll, I'll tell you because Wait, as oh, did I not read the article? <laughs> as announced in this um, this article, so we, you know we, I don't know how, how many how many years ago was this? Um, actually, they they have a link to the Fiesta story here. So um, I guess this actually technically just happened earlier this year. Um, so Ford stopped making the Fiesta, which of course is a car that I had previously owned. And this article is announcing that Ford is also going to stop making at least gas-powered versions. Maybe they'll come out with EV versions down the road. Um, the Ford Escape, Edge, and Transit Connect, which is their their like pa- passenger van thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I also at points in my life owned an Escape. And an edge. So now Ford has retired three of my previous cars, um, which is, um, I don't know, starting to make me feel they're hunting you down. Old, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. The, the Escape in particular. I mean, because that's that's like a. It's not the F one fifty, but I mean, it's a, been a pretty popular brand for them for, I mean, well I, over a decade. I think maybe because they have, I don't know who the Ford Bronco speaks to, but isn't that kind of in the same size class as the Escape? It's same same size class, but very very different styled car. Well, Although yeah, I, the, 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 the modern the modern version of the Escape, though, oof, it, not, I'm not a, not a fan of the ones that I see out there that are the newer model years. It's um, I don't know something about them I, I don't love. Well, yeah, it, it looks uh, like pathetically bland, and that's it. Look, it looks like the mac and cheese of cars, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's bulbousy and nondescript. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, pour pour one out for um, the. Um, well, I guess Every you know, kind of kind of all kind of all three cars. I, I actually have some kind of attachment to because the Escape and Edge I've owned. Um, and then did you also have like the Michael Scott car? Which one is that? Didn't you have some type of Chrysler or something or other? Well, my yeah, my first car was a uh, Chrysler Sebring. Yeah, that was the Michael Scott car. Uh, you're right. Okay, and now I now I get that reference. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we had a um, my well, my mom had a, a Chrysler Sebring convertible first model year, 1996, I think. Um, yeah, that car was a piece of crap. Had a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, convertibles turns out not very practical, even in sunny Southern California. Um, but you know, it was my first car and it was, it was gifted to me. So I was, I was grateful to have it, but, um, ended up selling it for, uh, the, the Ford Escape that I bought. Um, oh, the, the other thing I was going to say though, is there's the third car here, the Transit Connect. My attachment there is, um, you remember that service that was in San Francisco and a few other cities, I Chariot. think, too? Chariot. Yeah, I think that was the car they used. 
Which got bought by Ford. <laughs> which got bought by Ford, bringing it full circle. That's right. So, mm-hmm. um, no, so, yeah. but like, uh, yeah, the the transit connect, like all those, like, yeah, I I appreciate the transit connecting cars like that because they are relatively efficient, decent city delivery vehicles. Like they they from an or from a, like a city design perspective are some of the least offensive cars in that regard. Like regular people should own fewer cars and there should be more of these on the road. But yeah, that's kind of, it's, it's like the poor man's sprinter van. And if that becomes all electrified, that's, uh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Maki, Maki needs a better name. All right. Um, this is a follow-up that's entirely unrelated to this, but I'm rege- I'm 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 going to leave the details blank on here. But I do believe I made a chef special maybe a few months ago uh, for a restaurant in San Francisco called Penny Roma. Uh, that is temporarily off the recommended list, and uh, yeah, people should try uh, new stuff. Well, what, did you ever end up? What, going, what, what happened? You, is this an offline conversation? Eh, we can. Okay, let's broaden this out and not make it uh that specific to this restaurant because i'm not somebody who ever does like negative reviews in a public fashion but i guess what, what what's the worst restaurant service experience you've ever had we i think we've talked i think we've talked about the do, do you ever or have you ever sent back anything i not, think the answer for both of us is no not sent back no but speaking of um specific childhood memories um mm. You you may recall this um, in in our hometown of Mission Viejo there was a CPK <laughs> that uh-huh. opened. Yeah. I think you probably know the exact one I'm talking about. Were and there multiple? I, no, I think there was only one. Uh-huh. Um, and and it, it was it was back kind of like when CPK was like a new thing, I guess. And it was the first one that was anywhere close to where we were. Um, so you know we were kind of excited to to try it, and so we went. Um, you know, one of the first few weeks it was open, and it was crazy crowded and everything. Like, it took a while to get a table, but like, whatever, we kind of knew that. So, waited, you know, finally get the table, you know, put in our order, and it's like half an hour goes by, no food. 45 minutes go by, no food. I think we got like well past an hour, no food. And, like, not even any sort of, like, clear timeline as to when we could expect food to arrive. And we just, we just left. So, I'm not going to ask you to talk about the family, family dynamics that were at play there. Because I actually, because I'll broaden this out to not have you putting, put, like, your family on blast. But I, that, think, I think my sister that, and I got pretty hangry, if I'm being honest. No, no, but it, so, but in terms of whether or not, so I'll, I'll re, I'll redirect this conversation to me in my uh, brokenness in particular, but I got, but in terms of like whether or not your parents would have actually, the decision to not say something. So in this case, I'll I'll just briefly explain. So went there for a nice night. uh, And uh, first off, so everything seemed fine. Like it's a restaurant that I've been to a couple of times. It's, it's, it, it's it was a, a strong recommendation. I've been telling people about it for a little for a bit. Like I was very very happy. So play play put on our order. Everything seemed great. Uh, started getting food. Wine never came. And was like no, oh, that's that that's kind of odd. It's it's been a little while. But I decided I was like eh, whatever. It's it's fine because I was like I I always feel at a restaurant like paying like 
$18 a glass for wine when you know like the actual bottle <laughs> itself costs like 20 mm-hmm. It's always like I'm very I'm super okay or like I'm much more happy to pay for cocktails because there's like some artistry to it and I know that's like it's it's yeah. less there's less comparability in terms of price so that that but I, I, I was fine with it so then I was like oh like to the person I'm with oh it's fine we'll just actually this gives us an excuse like they there's a great bar across street called Lost Resort we'll just go there it's fine and then like again we got maybe i think three of the five things we had originally ordered and then just after like 45 minutes of us having sat down the like person comes by is like oh do you want to see the dessert menu and Mm. like two of the larger things we had ordered had not come and i was like nope i think we're good and just called it a night and i and i was so i was so weird like i don't because i didn't know what I was supposed to do because basically what am I supposed to say like oh actually like let's just restart dinner like and just kind of like redo the whole thing because like you guys are like from like I, I understand it's a Friday night you need to turn tables you got to do what you got to do but like do I just be like oh yeah half our meal never came can we just like restart this I, I don't so they I'm not that con- I'm not that confrontational a person to do that so I don't know really what I'm supposed to do I was like okay well like well I guess this is it and then we we salvaged the night into other stuff, but it, but it's, but that I don't, it's not that like the order, like the wrong thing was probably just like straight up. They're like, Oh, Hey, you're basically done with your meal. But I'm like, Oh, actually, no, we're not. We didn't get drinks or half of what we ordered. So you were not charged for the food items you didn't get or the glasses of wine. Correct. That, that, uh. that cause actually during the meal, like, cause I, I, the person I was talking to, I was like when the wine didn't come, I was like, Oh, actually, are you the kind of person who will like if something's wrong? Like, do you ever like send anything back, or do you ever like, or you just kind of like roll? Then it's, it's just whatever. And then when we didn't get half of our food either, I was like, oh, well, this this is basically what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What would you have done? What would I have done? Um, I think I probably would have done the same thing you did. And like, just, just kind of just try to just try to well so i i would so i would do what you did and then really really hope that when they brought the bill the missing stuff was not on there because if it was like i wouldn't have gotten mad would, been, no no i wouldn't have gotten but, mad i just would this would have been like i don't know just a conversation i would have wouldn't want to have had well no that one i like i was prepared for i would have been because <laughs> like we were both like oh it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be awkward if, if it actually if those items are actually on the receipt and i was like it would have been like well this this is kind of weird but like also like yeah this meal was a little bit of a disappointment just because we didn't get most of the things we ordered so actually could you remove this from the bill no it's not a big deal it's it's fine like that i would have been fine like i'm not i'm never like going to be like angry in a public place unless like that that's just not a thing that would happen but right like i just felt like the timing of it was like even if i like i i'm sure if i had said something like they would have like rectified the situation like, but then again like it's just like th- from their perspective like the meal is basically done and from our like we we've been here like an hour like it it is so you're basically restarting which is kind of it would have been weird for everybody involved so yeah yeah but that, that, yeah, but that's so that, that's kind of what I mean. Like if if it would have ended up being on the bill, then it would just. I mean, it wouldn't have been super awkward. But then like you'd get you know you'd get your server pr- probably being like super apologetic, and then you having to do the thing like you know no seriously like don't worry about it. And just uh, I I don't really like I don't have like situations like that. 
Yeah. So, uh, the very conversational and uh, irritating app Resi uh, asks you after like a, a day after you dine for uh, private feedback for the restaurant and whatever. No, nothing came of it. I just, I just wrote the oh yeah. It was kind of a bummer of a meal and. Again, like I'm not gonna hold like hold a grudge. Like I'll just, I mean, no, I'll try it again in three months. Like I, I enjoy it. Like it was, it's a, it's a good spot. And it's a great space. But it just, yeah, this one was kind of a bummer, and it was on a night that I actually had hoped it had been a better experience. But we, eh, um, it's fine. The, the other experience that comes to mind, I, I honestly don't remember the the name of this restaurant. It's 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 not there anymore, which will probably become pretty clear after the story, um, where. Um, the lady friend and I went to it like it wasn't even like officially open open it was like kind of one of their like soft opening weekends and you know we show up we're like one of the only ones there and you know it, it the, the whole premise of this restaurant was they did like food and wine pairings which you know sounds mm-hmm. sounds neat and so you know we order some food order you know the wine that's kind of supposed to pair with it they bring out the wine like right away and like you know half hour goes by no food they you know come out there they're apologetic like oh hey you know kitchen's kind of backed up which sounded kind of weird because again there really weren't that many people in the restaurant but soft opening all right fine whatever i get it so they offer to bring out more wine in which you know we the first time around we're like all right yeah fine so you know another glass of wine and then another like 15 20 minutes goes by same story no food more apologies another offer of wine and like after, you know, an hour or whatever of this and like three glasses of wine, we like still have no food. And at this point, like we can't accept any more wine because we're like sitting there with empty stomachs just drinking wine, which is not not great. Um, yeah, it could be great. <laughs> could, could be great. Depends um, on the kind of day you're trying to have. But yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, food eventually comes. So this is this is where it differs from the CPK story. Food does come. It's cold. And these are mm-hmm. these are two dishes that are meant to be hot, and then they're 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 they're, <laughs> they're very much not hot. Um, and what what did what did we end up doing? We I I think they asked us like for our honest feedback. Um, I th- I think that's kind of the way it ended up happening, and 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 we we you know very politely kind of told them that you know well it really wasn't the best night, um. And, you know, because the food was cold, like, we didn't we didn't feel, like, super enthusiastic about eating it. So we, we like, really didn't eat too much of what we had. And they, they did end up, I think, mostly making it right, where I, I think we ended up not paying, like, a ton. Although I think we ended up paying even more than what we kind of thought we should. But anyway, we kind of just, you know, paid the bill and got out of there. Um and then you'll appreciate the ending of the story. We this was in the in the marina in San Francisco. We walked down Chestnut Street and went to Super Duper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that is, oh, man. Okay, this is gonna be a chef special for or a, 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 an opener for a different week. But there was oh, there was a po- there's a podcast I like called um, Hills I Die On, and somebody had a thing where they were lobbying against um, like small. I think their like thing was that small plates are ruining uh, dining. Kind of don't disagree, but th- but a thing where you like a restaurant would ask you at the beginning of the meal like what like what's your favorite fast food and at like at the very end of the meal they'll like so that you're actually full they bring you the food that you actually wanted to have eaten <laughs> like i feel like that could be a pioneering concept in fine dining because like no that totally happens where 
you will sometimes maybe like this is very i don't know if this is a california thing but like you'll you'll go you'll be like oh now well that you like sometimes people will break stuff up will you be like oh let's get a drink here before dinner let's go for dinner and let's get dessert somewhere else like people will like sometimes break it up i'm not a gigantic fan of that but or have you ever done that um in in my younger days sure not so much anymore <laughs> no you just want to get home watch a fraser and go to bed it, yeah that that's yeah that's pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah no i still sort of have young young person energy or i could fake it well enough where um yeah I, I, I can cram my like a week's worth of like social like extroversion into a night I, and i can make that work but i'm i'm pretty burnt out the next day mm-hmm but yeah, anyway, like, I, yeah, that's <laughs> ending a night, at su- like having some super duper garlic fries at the end of a night, whether it was a good meal or a bad meal, doesn't seem that bad. Yeah, so, no, anyway, it, it all, after, it all worked out. Yeah. Afterward, we, we went, uh, we went to a, a bar and then I, we, I ordered Suvla takeout for home and it was, it was a, okay. Mm, nice. Um, but I will, re- I, it, it, since that was a, uh, an anti-recommendation or a retraction of a chef special, uh, tripling down on state bird provisions. It's great. I yeah right. I have been telling everybody I know about that place. Yeah, loved loved it. That was great. Yeah, so good. All right, now another thing where we're both going to have uh, opinions on or a thing about mm. you uh you 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 buried the lead or or you or I guess you you hid something from me. You don't you didn't let me know that you were uh going to go you were going to join the autonomous car revolution. Um and and you you took a couple rides in uh some cars from General Motors. I did. Well, so I, I mean, I, I didn't really know this was going to happen like super far in advance or anything. So so we have a mutual friend who um, who I, I, th- I think gave us both a code to this thing. Right. I think that's how you had access to. Right. Uh, the person I've, I've been on the beta for like a year and I, the person who gave it to me, I don't think, you know. Oh, OK. Well, anyway, we, we have a mutual friend who who works there and who gave me a code <clears throat> a, few, a few months ago. And I was in San Francisco for a couple of nights, I think back in June. And I she had, you know, given me the code shortly um before that. And so I was I was excited to to try it. But at that time they were only running like late in the evening and only in like very specific parts of San Francisco, which did not include where I was. So I so I didn't get to use it back in June. So then I had another um, work thing last week where I was also in the city for a couple nights. And um, I don't know, at, at some point, my first night there, it, it kind of dawned on me like, oh, I, I should I should check out the cruise thing because this is also, you know, a week or two after um, this um, state of California allowed them to, to basically just start like operating 24 seven with with pretty you know few limitations. And so around, I don't know, like eight o'clock or so, I, I opened the app. And they they were running, but they were running basically everywhere except the financial district, which is where I was. But there was a little thing at the bottom saying, oh, hey, like basically check back at like nine o'clock and your area <clears throat> is going to is going to be available. So I was, you know, out for for, our, for a while longer. And then at the end of the night, when um, me and a coworker were ready to go back to the hotel, I pulled it up. and. Did, did the AV thing? We called one and 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 tried it. Um, so the the first, so I, I ended up doing two of these. So do you want me just to tell the the whole story now? Do you have something something else here? No, go for it. Okay. So the the first the first ride, the first night, 
was, you know, I mean, it was just sort of like uneventful. I mean, obviously, like super novel with it being the the first ride. Um, car's name was Igloo, which was was kind of random, but kind of cute also. Um, it was a short ride. It was only like maybe 10 minutes or so. Um, you know, my, like my initial impression was that it was very well designed, like the, the tablets in the back, you know, you can choose your music. They had some kind of trivia thing you could do. You could, you know, select the temperature in the call in the car, which was very useful because it was very warm in San Francisco last week. Um, like, yeah, I mean, I just sort of like the, the whole experience was, was actually quite nice and, and worked quite well. I mean, the only two minor things that stood out to me from that first ride were number one, it, it like pulled up to the pickup spot kind of aggressively, which like was not an initially good first impression, but the, but uh-huh. from, from there it, it drove pretty well. The only other thing was, you know, it took a relatively indirect route you betcha um but i mean other than that it, you know it really was it was it was fine and uneventful so then the second night i at the end of the night wanted to, to take one again um this time i was in the the dog patch so i was you know a bit further mm-hmm. away from um the hotel and Where so um the dog patch saloon ooh nice yeah um, yeah, one of one of my uh, coworkers um, um, lives in the area, um, and so that that's one of one of his go to spots. Um, cool. So um, end of the night, um, I call up another cruise. This time it's just me. Um, car pulls up. Corn is the car's name. Not not as good as Igloo, um, but <laughs> all right, fine. Um, based on the route that it chose to get back to the financial district this was going to be like a 25 minute drive which you know whatever I, I wasn't in a hurry i was interested to you know be in the car a little bit longer uh, and just kind of see how it did um basically another uneventful ride like it it got to the hotel um it, it was going to exactly the same um drop-off point that it had dropped me off the the first night and that's maybe one one quick sidebar to mention is, you know, one of the things with the current setup is the cars clearly, and they, they show this on the map, they have very specific pickup and drop-off points. And those are the only places where they will pick you up or drop you off. It's not like they can just sort of, you know, pull off to the side of the road at any point and drop you off There's or pick you up. There's very specific places where they've been designed to, to do that. So the car, you know, after this 25-minute drive, pulls up to the, the drop-off spot, and there's a garbage truck there that's picking up garbage cans. And so the car basically does like an aborted landing. Like it basically, you know, starts to kind of pull off into the drop-off zone, realizes that it's not going to be able to, and so it just goes, goes back into Embarcadero, the, the street that, that we were on. And so then it, you know, recalculates a route to get us back to the the drop-off point. And it's like an eight-minute loop <laughs> to get back to the drop-off point. Because on the little tablet screen in the back, you know, it, it shows you the route that it's taking. And so it, it calculates an eight-minute loop. And again, I, w- I wasn't like in a hurry or anything and was just kind of 
curious about this whole experience. So like, all right, whatever, you know, fine. Um, you know, the other thing that's that's also really clear at this point is the and the cars like they they definitely have like preferred routes they're supposed to take. I mean, like I think that explains the kind of indirect routes they choose, and then also at multiple points during the drive, there were multiple other cruise cars in front of mine, like almost like they're you know sort of like in a conga line, and like so they they clearly have like preferred ways that they they try to go. So anyway, it, it chooses this kind of inefficient eight minute loop, whatever, no big deal. So we uh, loop back around, get back onto a Embarcadero eventually. And, you know, a couple of blocks away from the drop-off point where I'm stopped at a red light. And there's this guy who's just walking in the middle of Embarcadero. And he mm-hmm. starts walking straight towards the car. And, like, my mind starts to, like, you know, race through all the, like, terrible scenarios, right? I'm thinking, like, oh, my God, like, the light's going to turn green. This cruise car is, like, not going to detect there's a person there, and he's going to, like, hit the person, and that's going to be terrible. Or this guy is going to start, like, banging on the car or doing something like that because he, he, like, was kind of, like, an aggressive-looking person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm just, like, I'm thinking, oh, no. But the, the guy ends up, you know, walking right up to the car, walking alongside the car. And all he does is, like, very lightly tap the window. But the mm-hmm. second he does that, a message comes up on the screen saying that a collision had been detected. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so the light, the light turned green. And shortly after that collision message pulled up another message came on saying you know like based something like you know we've detected an incident the car is going to pull off to the side of the road and someone from cruise support is going to call you so sure enough that's what the car did it, it pulled off to the side on embarcadero and you know someone from cruise came on the the car speakerphone asked if everything was okay like asked what happened i you know explained what happened with the guy and they're like, okay, good, you know, glad, glad everything's okay. Um, have a good night. <laughs> so person hangs up, car, you know, gets back on Embarcadero. Again, I'm like two blocks away from the drop-off point at this point. Gets up to the drop-off point, drops me off, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, in at, at, in at the end of the day, like, I you know, didn't really mind any of that happened. It was kind of interesting to see like how the car handled a couple of somewhat non-standard situations. Um, and, you know, I think, I, I think it handled them relatively well. Like obviously it would have been preferable if it chose a shorter loop to get back to the drop-offs point when it realized, you know, it, it couldn't have dropped me off where it originally wanted to, or, dynamically figured out like the next closest drop off point and just like drop me off there. Um I think the other thing I could have done is there is a big like end ride button that you have access to. Like I think I probably could have just pressed that and it, it would have presumably like dropped me off at the nearest drop off point. Um and you know obviously I think it it, it probably <laughs> overreacted a little bit to the person tapping on the window, but better safe than than sorry especially in in the early days so i you know i I largely understand that so 
overall, I don't I don't think the car necessarily did anything wrong or bad. It's just very much clearly early days and a work in progress. Interesting. Um because I haven't taken one recently, how much uh, so the these so the big difference now is that when it's been I think it's been a month since the public utility Public Utilities Commission allowed twenty four seven robo taxis in San Francisco. Uh, how much were the rides? Uh, so in- interesting, you ask that. So the first night, again, it was a really short ride, it, so it was very inexpensive. It was like six bucks or something. The second night, longer drive, it was like around closer to like thirteen, I think, which which I thought seemed pretty affordable, and you know, someone who. As someone who doesn't live in San Francisco anymore, like I, I kind of forget like even like what Ubers really cost because I just I just don't really ever take them anymore. Um, so I thought that was pretty cheap. But one of the coworkers I was with was like, I, I think that actually sounds pretty close to like what an Uber X would cost right now. And sure enough, that they had me pull open the Uber app, and it was it was like literally within like five cents the same price, which I and I think Cruise was like five cents more more expensive. Hmm interesting okay that's it okay that's uh yeah i'm surprised you you didn't uh, let that slip uh that's an that's an interesting story um hmm what's this i don't i don't know why for whatever reason now the slack doesn't let me if i'm sending a message like directly from the the photos app like using like the the extension thing for some reason it it doesn't it doesn't let you dm anymore I, i i don't know why is the slack app so bad um well, uh, there's there's now an entirely new version on the desktop yeah, that yeah, uh, I, I can't tell if it's any different. It's just it's just bigger. It seems so, like sh- it shuffled around the the deck chairs. So um, I do. So there's something about this. So so th- this is this, <laughs> this is the, this, this uh, is the this, one that but this is the, this, this is the, part is the where second be- the second error message that I got. Right. Well, but this is the thing where because they have silly names, uh, something happened on your trip. Corn. Mm-hmm. is corn over to make us that's right corn that's yeah so that's i get it and and i i get that the accelerometers and the lidar like and all, all that kind of stuff been like oh something hit the car that's let, let's abort like that that makes total sense um i feel like there should be because this actually goes to uh sorry do you have anything else on on your trips or anything before mm. i dive in no that was it well, so, I mean, so I've taken several, but I will. So there's one that I was actually, I was in the mission a week and a half ago or something. There's one thing that I just feel like there needs to be much faster response for the car to basically ping HQ and be like, I need a human to kind of give me the go ahead on something where like a lot of times, like it'll get stuck behind like a PG&E truck or something where it just needs a, a human to be like, no, it's fine. Just go around. And it won't so i think that's the one thing here that there needs to be something where somebody monitoring a system can like within 30 seconds just be like oh it's fine because this was in the grand scheme of things in your situation a very minor thing that like these things record audio and video of the outside world 100 percent of the time and inside the car no audio but your your image is also being recorded when you're in the car right uh, where it, it should be able to tell like okay no it's just kind of urban street happenings outside and it just is is what it is 
So yeah, I mean, corn was keeping you safe, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's you know it. It, it, I, it I, I guess the 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 crux of your story is, you, and you you mentioned that you communicate that at no time did you feel unsafe or un or iffy about the situation. I mean, I, yeah, I was I was a little concerned about the guy, but but the the car, well, no, I, I felt like at, at all times the car was being cautious. Like I, <laughs> honestly, the, 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 ironically, the one and only time where I felt like the car was maybe a little aggressive was the way it 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 pulled up to the the pickup spot. That first night, the the second night, corn also pulled up to the curb a little quickly, I suppose, but not not as fast as um as igloo. But then being in the car, yeah, I I would say at no point did I feel unsafe. Like it, there was one turn, the the corn on the second night took where there was there were a bunch of cars you know parked on the side of the street and there was one car that was sticking out a little bit further and it it, it kind of it detected that and sort of swerved out of the way more than it needed to and and more suddenly than it needed to but that was it was pretty that was pretty minor i mean i i think my my main perspective coming at this is i mean i don't take many ubers anymore but when i lived in san francisco i i mean i took tons and tons of them and I mean, I had all kinds of bad driver experiences in in Ubers, like in many situations where I didn't feel particularly safe. So, you know, it, it it's not like I'm coming into like sitting in an e- AV like where I've had like just, you know, perfect experiences with with human drivers either. Mhm. Okay. So I, so I've taken a handful of these, a couple of just kind of stray observations that may match and may not match what you've experienced. I, I will. So the driving experience in general with these is, I would say, fine. There are, I, I think, maybe a three sub points related to that. One, the, the overall experience is when it is in motion, excluding like route navigation or any of that kind of stuff. It drives like somebody who has had its learner's permit for 10 weeks Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it is extremely overly cautious it will drive one mile an hour behind below the speed limit while everybody else is doing five to ten over which is not great it will occasionally overcompensate and i i had a couple situations where it just braked really aggressively um again not not amazing but my but my biggest complaint was the fact that the, the, so the experience is fine other than the pickup and drop off point because i on multiple rides had the situation where the car would um it would would arrive for you but it was unsure of whether or not it had arrived and <laughs> would not like and i think I, i'm sure it doesn't i it, it, it's an expired instagram story so it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference but like it will it won't let you unlock the car because that's the thing of when the car arrives, you have to go back to the app and like confirm that, Hey, you're actually yep. there yep. and that you, the car will unlock. So at that point I like waited for two minutes while the car had its like hazard lights on and was thinking about whether or not it was <laughs> at the pickup point and I couldn't go into the app and unlock it. I was like, okay, I'll just keep it. Like it, it, it's a public beta. I don't, it's, it's fine. And then it kind of aggressively just kind of, drives away from me and i was like oh okay and then and this was this this car was named poodle and 
so then it Poodle. goes and this is you, you so you know where i live like it it, it goes like a, a <laughs> half a block away towards um uh no, never mind but it, it goes a little bit away and then it stops aggressively like a hundred feet away from me and then it's like okay poodle has arrived like great and i get in and then like it, but the thing, it's just the, the part is that that's what they haven't figured out at all which is getting it to start and stop for you because when i ended one of the rides i got out and like it's it's very much like so actually this is the part of the thing like of the whole experience i actually think is kind of neat which is the screen in front of you like one i was able to select npr and i was able to i was able to have like a very boring ride like i like i normally would and then it's like hey make sure you have all your stuff and i do appreciate that it says there's a bike lane nearby please make sure that you pay attention I, that that as a cyclist was a very very nice touch so then i get, I get out and then i close the door and then the car just sits there <laughs> and I was unsure of whether or not I had actually closed the door on because I'm like, what, why, are, why are you not leaving? And then, like, we just had this kind of weird standoff <laughs> where I was, like, outside my apartment, but I was, like, kind of like, did I do something wrong or are you just going to chill here? Like, and it, di- it didn't leave for, like, five minutes. Like, I, I waited, too, and I was like, it's fine. But then, like, I can, I can see the car and it just, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't leave. So that's, it's not great. And also when, when it did do that stop, it was blocking a bike lane and that wasn't, that wasn't very good. And it, mm. I don't know if it needed to talk to HQ and be like, no, everything's fine. Like I, I'm pretty sure I closed the door fully. I, but it was the starting and stopping part is challenging. And on a different ride when it was going to pick me up, like I live in an area with like not super narrow streets. Like it said it was going to pick me up and then it kept circling the block. Like, and it, it just didn't. Like, I watched the car that was going to pick me up drive past me and then go around and just make three 90-degree turns and just kind of go back to the exact same spot. (laughs) And nothing had changed about the situation. And I was like, okay. And then, so, the the pickup and drop-off stuff is the biggest opportunity with this product so far. And the other bit of it is, so I, again, you know where I live. I wanted to just as one of the experiments, I was going to some place in Potrero Hill and something that if I was driving would have taken nine minutes ended up taking about 25 to 30 yeah. because it, yeah. it was really insistent on driving me through the tenderloin. Like I, I like, I guess it has these preferred routes Yeah, and it yeah. took me like through the financial district, which apparently was one of the off limits areas in your situation through past union square through the tenderloin and then on Harris, like it, it, it took like this weird, like not, and it was not like less busy. Like the, the, the direct route would have been faster, more efficient, less crowded, uh, less chance of getting stuck behind a, gr- a garbage truck, which mine did as well. Like, but it, but it, it figured it out pretty quickly. Like it did the routing, not great but but all these rides were back when um <laughs> all of them were free so that's where i didn't care like it was, it was more of a novelty for me um yeah so the pickup and drop off points and the routing were the biggest issues but like otherwise it's fine like i guess like to broaden this out a little bit like you you're a chronicle subscriber i am yeah do you do you leave the push alerts on uh, no, I actually don't. I don't have the Chronicle app. 
Okay, that's probably pretty smart. They they are on this crusade. There's so many people who are anti robo taxi right now. Crusade. And it, nice. Wait, are you giving yourself a pat on the back? No, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a pat on the back. Nicely done. Oh wait, oh no, I didn't. I wasn't making. Oh, I was making a joke. Okay, but all right. I. But they, some people like they they hate this so much. And one, our city has other issues going on, but and also like, are we just going to pretend that human? I'm not saying. This is one of the things where I don't know who on Threads said this. Um, and yes, I still use Threads. Uh, that like. People who are trying to save incumbent technologies, the the one of the, the like the key things they will use uh, to fight it is to uh, suggest that the replacement for something has to be one hundred percent error free. And I know that's like like the, uh, autonomous vehicles are going to be a slightly different use case, but the fact that everybody is like, oh, a cruise car got stuck in wet wet cement, like what like that that is kind of ha ha funny. But to pe- for people acting like these cars are going to be the death of us all when like I, I drive through the city every day. Like everybody's on their phones. Human drivers. People, are bad. Yeah. No, no. Exa- human exactly. drivers are, are fucking horrible. Yeah. People are yeah. like, again, I, I, I drive a bunch. I bike a bunch. I have to be so alert to not get run over when I'm on my bike. Like they're like everybody, people are horrible drivers in terms of what I feel safer next to in, is some lady in a Mercedes SUV or a cruise car. I want to be next to the cruise car. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know the human driver is scrolling Instagram and is doing whatever and has Slack notifications going off. Like they, they have, they're, they're doing their own thing. I would much rather be on a cruise car that's going to drive a little bit too slow or be too cautious versus anything else. And also there was this other thing where the Chronicle misreported it, where a cruise car was, had a green light and was struck by a fire engine. And the Chronicle reported it as cruise car involved in collision with emergency response vehicles, which places the blame in the opposite way. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine any situation where, again, people can complain or have or critique the fact that maybe robo taxis are not adequately responding to or aware of their surroundings to properly navigate when a emergency vehicle is nearby. But like, if we're in a situation where somebody maybe didn't hear a siren or was not paying enough attention... And a fire truck just like crashed into like a human driven car. I feel like that would be an extremely different story. I don't know. Like just like the backlash of this is so, so weird to me. We're just like human drivers and rideshare drivers and just rules of the road, blocking bike lanes, like stopping uh, like and just cutting off a lane of traffic just because you're picking up somebody for your lift ride. Like this happens so often where the robo taxis are less of. I, I, I don't know. It's just this whole thing bums me out and is so like the whataboutism and the lousy straw man arguments related to this new technology are just super silly. I'm I'm so I'm totally I'm totally with you. Um, yeah. And, you know, to it's like to narrow it back down just to like my like personal feelings and experience getting into one of these things like. Getting into an Uber or a taxi or whatever, <clears throat> with just some, you know, random person who you've never met, who you don't know, like what training they've had, what, you know, mm-hmm. what, kind of what their personal situation is that day versus getting into one of these things. Like I, I to me, and I, I, of course I would feel this way cause I'm a technology nerd. Like I, I probably even now feel more confident getting into one of these things. Mm-hmm. Like I will, like, again, sometimes if I'm, if I'm late for the airport, I am 
very happy that the person driving the lift is going 25 miles above the speed limit. <laughs> but a lot of times that would not be great. And I'm right. not again going right. back to the restaurant thing. I'm not super comfortable being like, hey, can can we adjust how we're, how we're driving here? And so that I don't feel like I'm going to die like that. That's like a whole different thing where like cruise cars don't get tired. Like, I don't know how if somebody if this is somebody's like ninth hour on the road like that's like there are other concerns. And yes, I do not believe that San Francisco needs to be like this playground for private corporations to do whatever they want and um, completely uh, ignore laws. And But that's the arguments here are just like everybody's talking past each other in such a disingenuous way that it's just it, it, it pisses me off as somebody who like likes technology, but does not particularly like big tech and also is an urbanist and somebody who does care about city design and planning and is pro pedestrian and pro transit. Like these arguments on all sides are so fucking dumb and and it really bothers me. Well, and, and, you know, maybe kind of hot take here, like from, from everything I've read and heard about both Cruz and Waymo, they both kind of seem like they've been doing everything kind of the right way. Like you don't hear of any like major shortcuts they've been taking it feels like all through the process, they've taken conservative approaches to all of this stuff. I mean, including like the experience that I had last week. Like, I, I don't know. I, to, to me, like I look at it and just be like, yeah, I, I, I think this is this isn't some story about just like this isn't Elon Musk and full self-driving and Tesla's is what I'm saying. Like, this feels yeah. like this has been these are two companies that are like very thoughtfully working through a very complicated problem and are kind of doing the thing you probably should do, which is you, you got to push the limits a little bit, see what breaks quickly, fix it and continue on, you know? Well, and, that, and that's the thing where I want people to say no, like I, their need there with all things in life, there need to be sticks in the mud and people like resisting a thing. But the resistance is has been completely outsized and is being done in a disingenuous and just also just up like you know, wrong. Yeah. Their, their complaints are unfounded or the, what they're arguing for is, is silly. The only other thing that I will bring up is that because I've been on the cruise beta for a while, like they, I assume like marketing had the email queued up so fast. Like I got the push alert about, Hey, the decision on from the PUC came down Within like five minutes, Cruz had a thing that said, "Oh, hey, we're about to start charging for rides now. Here's what here's what you need to know." I was like, "Oh, that sucks." <laughs> um, and if anybody out there uh, ha- can uh, get me a Waymo invite, uh, I still don't have one. So, um, yeah, yeah Cru- Cruz was easy. It was easy to get, but w- but Waymo, uh, no can do. I do. I I didn't know this about Waymo, but it it came through on that episode of the Daily. Um, Waymo like. There's like a there's like there's like the Google Voice that that greets you when you get in the car by name, mm-hmm. which I thought yeah. that that was kind of cool. Um, yeah. Also, it, please throw a link in the show notes to the, the one I, I I dislike that episode because the the framing was super dumb and and speaks to a lot of the stuff that we've talked about. And I also specifically dislike that reporter who does a lot of anti tech stuff. Again, tech deserves a lot of skepticism, but it th- that was silly. But the article itself was fun. Also, specifically, just because uh, it has a lot, it has some fun Mike Isaac stuff in there, uh, and there's just a very, very funny picture of him with the window open of a Jaguar SUV, and he just looks like it, it's 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 very amusing. And apparently, he got the only uh, weird car that that did weird stuff, so it's it fun. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, I guess the other thing that stood out to me with the, with the cruise experience, maybe I mentioned this earlier, like it was just a very nice experience. Like, especially that second night where it was just a bizarrely hot night in San Francisco um, and do- dog patch saloon, no, no AC turns out. Um, very, very open air. <laughs> um, getting into the cruise, like temperature was set to 68. It was nice and cool. It was, you know, both, both cars I was in, you know, impeccably clean. Um, and I guess, you know, we'll have to see over time if it stays that way, but you know, can't say that about every Uber I've, I've been in. So I, I, I did, I did appreciate that part of it too. Is it just, it felt like a very nice experience that the car seemed really well designed like the you know the interface of the little tablet thing was was pretty nice just yeah i would say a a well thought out nice experience yeah all right a couple quickies did not know so this came from when uh peloton recorded uh quarterly earnings i did not know that peloton will uh lease or rent you a bike I, uh, I, I went did through, not either. I went through a, an hour debate with myself of because the pricing is kind of compelling because so it's $119 a month to to rent a bike plus, but it includes the monthly subscription, which correct me if I'm wrong, is $45 a month. And And are you like... If you kept it long enough, does the bike just become yours or no? Okay. So you have an option like after a year to buy the bike itself. And does that but pricing so, end up being about the same as buying it outright up front? Well, so that's the thing. So if we, I, I don't think so. So here, I mean, here's the deal. So 119 minus 45, $74. The bike is 2,500 plus tax 1.09, 2725 minus 19, So it's takes 40 months for you to, to for the math to even out anyway as somebody who would doesn't want to spend the upfront cost of a peloton bike uh it seemed like a kind of interesting gateway into it but also i i came to my senses and being like no i don't i don't actually want it but i mean but it's interesting like i mean that yeah, yeah, it feels but, like, like, I mean, after like two months, I feel like you'd have a pretty good sense of whether it was for you or not. So you're in for 250 bucks or so, right? Or just like, I mean, like, That's I assume bad. there's gonna be something that there's something that comes out in the future. Like, I mean, like, I, I guess like having the, if the, the break even point on the rental versus the cost of buying, like if it takes three and a half years to recoup the cost of that, like that's, that's not terrible. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I, where, where am I going to put it? Like, I mean, it just, it would be nice to have, I like, I, I, I don't like the cult of Peloton has kind of evaporated, I think to a degree. Like, I, yeah, I know you're still on it, but like, uh, cause you, you go to the church of Ben, but like they, <laughs> I, I feel like it would be, it, it would, it would not be a decent use of square footage in my apartment. Like I can just go outside. So anyway, it, yeah, it, it was, it was, really. a, it was a very brief afternoon of, thinking that this was interesting but still eh, probably not no i really i really like mine but but i get it oh but you, but you, well, you have a house <laughs> that's uh, like, yeah but i mean ours is also just like in our family room it's not in a spectacular spot either but we make it work yeah yeah all right uh iphone announcement 
Actually, did you? Uh, so the iPhone launch event, or the like, the in person at Apple Park event is going to be on September fifteenth, was it, or the eighth? Uh, neither. September twelfth. Thank you. Uh, I'm thinking of when pre-orders are going to go live. So pre-orders will go live. Will go live on the fifteenth, and it'll probably be out the twenty second or the 29th. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of don't care. I mean, like, in terms of rumors and stuff, like, I mean, we this can, we can knock down on 30 seconds. So USB-C ports are basically guaranteed on the phone, and we're going to go back to having the Pro and Pro Max have feature differentiations because this is likely the first year where the Pro Max is going to have a better camera system than the Pro for the first time since maybe the iPhone 8 Plus, I think. some Something like that, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Like, is it, do you have any, I mean, do we have, we have one more show before, uh, the phone comes out? Uh, be- no? before it comes out. Yeah. But no, or, but no, not the announcement, not, not the announcement. Yeah. Um, my only I mean, takeaway is, is for the invite seems to confirm that, um, this year's, um, gray color is going to be bad that the, there was, there was a leak, um, a few days ago, a week ago where I think it was nine to five Mac somehow figured out like what shade of gray we were getting this year on the on the pro phones um and it's bad it's like that that muddy kind of gray color that that's kind of i think apple's used before um and the the invite sure enough has that same gray color and it's it's bad so i i think i I think i'm gonna get a i think i might get a a blue iphone this year or something because i'm not getting that gray so the link that you have in the show notes where it shows the the phones with the nine to five Mac watermark are those uh, the alleged colors for this coming year? It's those are the alleged colors for the new um, titanium the finish on the um, fifteen Pro specifically. So, wait, so why are there two grays? Um, so there's no gold and there's two grays. I don't know what the full color lineup is going to be so may- maybe there is going to be a second shade of gray i actually don't know but but this shade of gray was the one that i had seen rumored and i and i i don't like it at all so yeah if, if that ends up being the only like grayish black option then i may end up with like a blue iphone or something I, why, okay. why why can't why can't apple figure out colors i i sometimes they do like the the colors on Just, the on the 24 inch imac awesome colors on certain non-pro iphones also great like why 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 can't they more consistent cases are bad no cases are great no i think i don't i don't like cases i just why why can't apple have consistently good colors why why can they only like 25 percent of the time have good colors why do 75 percent of their products have like mud gray as the color i don't i don't get that it's fine uh, one other thing related to, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, oh yeah. Just a throwaway thing from the Peloton earnings call. I do appreciate that the guy, I don't know what their CEO's name is, but, uh, apparently they're now making the Peloton bikes in multiple colors. Uh, so his quote was for the last 10 years, Peloton has been the Henry Ford of stationary bikes. We sold any color bike frame you wanted as long as it was black. I don't think the reason they're not selling is because they're black. Anyway. I think uh, I, yeah, I think I, I missed that. What other what other colors do they have now? Well, I don't want to Google Peloton, Peloton bikes. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get ads. Peloton Bike Plus. Do they even? 
I'm still just seeing the the black and the black and red one that I have. Uh, it Shop might be plus. No, well, maybe, this, again, maybe it's is... not the bike plus. Maybe it's the other one. I don't know. It was a uh, what do you call it? Um, I'm his earnings call, so it might be like hey, oh, our, up, our, upcoming. Our, our yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Got it. All right. Anyway, so like new iPhone, like again, we'll we'll see what it is when. Like, but I don't think this is a year where um, where predictions are going to make or break anything. It'd be nice to USB C. Will be nice. Yeah, that that will be that will be nice, and we'll see what the the fancy Periscope camera thing is about. You'll have uh, you'll have some thoughts about that, I'm sure. Eh, I I actually don't because I mean just because if, if my understanding of that feature is correct, it only really benefits like it's it's the point of that is zooming right not image quality well yeah the the obvious thing is zooming but there may be some other stories that apple tells about it we'll see i'm sure they will uh and then the last thing this actually won't be too long but there's another video that people should watch uh you can link to it uh so uh friend of the show joanna stern uh in the wall street journal had a 10 minute like kind of a a jumbo double-sized video uh uh talking about the ev buying or like the the selection experience for a first-time EV owner. So she was choosing to get her family a new electric vehicle, and she was comparing six models. She narrowed it down to the top three, which she found to be the Tesla Model Y, the Ford Mustang Mach-E, and the Hyundai, as we covered earlier, the Ioniq something or other. Um, And I found this just like super interesting and useful in that it covers like... Her whole thing, and this is what makes her good, is that she covers stuff without getting bogged down in the details. So a lot of it, to maybe somebody who is super plugged into that industry or maybe listens to the show, is is, very, is probably going to think that this is too surface level and not that interesting. But she covers the buying considerations and things that are useful to talk about when selecting an EV or kind of the practicality of moving from a gas-powered car to an electric vehicle in like a really succinct way uh, in a 10-minute video. So she talks about range, uh, self-driving or driver assist features, styling maybe, cost, and a few, like some, something else. But it was pretty good. I th- she And spoiler, the car that she ended up choosing was to lease instead of buy a Mustang Mach-E, specifically because she found she was so impressed with, um, is it called Super Cruise or Blue Cruise? Blue Cruise. Which is the, which, yeah, so she found that to be better than the autopilot thing. She she frequently felt that the Tesla she didn't ever get to trust it enough, where she thought she frequently were, was intervening before the car did because she felt that she wasn't sure that it was actually going to do what she wanted, and that she thought that Blue Cruise was actually very 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 good. I think that's Rain, that's sort of like the general consensus of. I think Blue Cruise has become like kind of the the thing that everybody points to now as being like the the like, best semi-autonomous system out there. Yeah. It doesn't overpromise. Like it's like it sounds like it's very 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 good for the somewhat limited number of situations that it says it works in versus Tesla which promises that your car basically drives itself which it doesn't. Yep. Uh she also pointed out that the Mach-E the CarPlay both uh, both Android Auto and wireless CarPlay are both really nice features but she also but the, and this is the thing about the video that was actually great is that she talked about why when you use carplay you do lose some of the tight integration that tesla gives you in terms of like preconditioning the battery when you hit a supercharger like all this kind of stuff 
talked about some super like in the weedsy things, um, but covered it in a really succinct video. So it was great. And then she also in the Model E, or sorry, the Model E, what's it called? Uh, the Model Y, uh, friend of the show, MKBHT. She did a, because apparently you take Zoom calls on your Tesla screen for some reason. Anyway, she did a um, a quick like consult with him in the video, which is actually fun. And he brought a good point, which is kind of leasing is not a terrible option right now because just in terms of like the smartphone like feature advancement curve and kind of where we are yeah. on that as it relates to EVs, yeah. we are in a situation where three years from now, we're kind of still in that iPhone 5, iPhone 6 era where stuff's going to get way better. So that was actually really, really good perspective. So no, seriously, 10 minutes, it's a great video. And who doesn't love Joanna Stern? Agreed. All right, chef specials. Um, yeah, the, I've got got one for you. It's a um, show that you've um, undoubtedly heard of by now, The Bear. Have you no wa- spoilers, have, have please. Have you watched it? Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we, we just finished, um, there's two seasons now, we just finished season two um, a week, week or two ago, and... It, I mean, it it is just, it's just it's terrific. It's it's so it's so good. I would. Is it a half hour or an hour? The episodes vary. Most of them are closer to half hour, but there are um, there are a couple of longer ones. Okay. Is it? I've I've been told uh, that it's it, that it's very good, but that it's probably and I and I'm not a binge watch person but that it is the show the episodes are um it's probably not a bingeable show no no or, no. or just like it, it, it it's a show that benefits from like uh, not to make a food pun but like to marinate let, let the story marinate a little bit and also that the show has like an intensity to it that is probably not that better done in doses after a number of the episodes they they leave you feeling like you just need to you know go take a walk watch an episode <laughs> of frazier do something like that because a hundred percent they Okay. They, no, spoilers. no, no spoilers. But there, yes, there are some very, very intense moments. But uh, yeah, 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 it, it's, we get, yeah, we get it. It's, right. it's, it's, it's terrific. It's so good. You should watch it. And it, it, it's, it's, right. it's such a, it's a light commitment too, because it's like season one is um, six or eight episodes, and then season two I think is ten. And again, the majority of them are more like on the half hour side, so it's not not a not a big commitment. And it. it's it's so good. Okay. Only because I do feel like the next time we talk is going to be a longer episode because it's going to be, it's mm, gonna be iPhone, iPhone, so. iPhone time. Yeah. So with this one, I'm going to give a recommendation that actually requires a few minutes of explanation. I apologize, but uh, my pick is the. It is the so it's it's a combo. So it is the peak design out front bike mount. Ah, I saw you saw in you, con- saw you posting about this. In concert with the peak design iPhone cases. Yep. So I know you're not a case person for I, I don't know how. I don't I, I understand you live by the whims of Apple Care, but as somebody with two kids, I I have no idea how you go caseless. But <laughs> So two things. So one, well, actually, let's the, let's talk about the phone case first. So one, when Apple, when when Apple, when Peak Design started um, releasing like f- mobile accessories, I was like, this, "Stay in your lane. This is dumb. Like, don't do this." I, I I get it now. 
So one, so they have a very, it's a very unassuming kind of bland case. But honestly, in terms of somebody who really likes dark gray stuff, I feel actually it probably is not entirely up, uh, outside uh, your realm. But uh, it's a great case. It, it's compatible with MagSafe. It actually has much, much, much stronger magnets uh, built into it to uh, benefit MagSafe. So if you ever thought that MagSafe is not actually oh, that's, like that satisfying. That's neat. Because, yeah, I've, I've so that, had that weak magnet experience on MagSafe. Yeah. So in terms of, like, yeah, like, ever, like, popping your phone on a wireless charger and it's kind of aligned but not really and you end up walking back in four hours and your phone's less charged than you left it this solves that but the little like nubbin like little square in the middle of here it combines both those magnets and also like an incredibly uh uh, so i don't know how to describe it well so there's this little mount that you can buy for your bike and it has a, a design system where it regardless of whether you have a road bike a a beach cruiser or any type of bike it works just fine with and it basically gives you a secure place to put your phone when you're riding your bike and it has a thing where on the sides of it it has like a little like just little buttons to for a quick release you only have to press one of them to let the phone like unlock and it's just i don't know it's it's oddly perfect and it's the most peak designy type thing of it just works and you're surprised somebody didn't invent this a long time ago I ne- I, like, I never thought I would ever actually want a my phone mounted to my bike, and this proves that that is actually a much better idea than you otherwise would have. Like, I know you're not a bike person, but this is, yeah, it's it, it's it's so good. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a flawless product, and it is the mount sounds expensive. It's seventy bucks, but yeah, it's 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 great. Well, the, the Peak Design is a really good example of, you know, a company whose products you are paying a premium for, but you really feel like you're getting a lot for that premium. Yeah, and it's, it is a thing where if you are, whether you're just like a really casual cyclist or you're somebody who's doing 40 miles on the weekend, it's one of those things where regardless, like you don't ever have to worry about like do I have like a zippered pocket on my shirt or my shorts or whatever to hold my phone? Even if you're not using it for navigation or any sort of thing, it is just, it it, it is perfect. Like the, the, if you, if you own a bike of your own, this, like, this is the most instant byproduct I can possibly say. Um, it is, it's amazing. 